Welcome to Courage in Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by Maxworth Consulting Group. I'm your host, Kyle Worthy. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing rural health in America, gaining insights from professionals that have dedicated their careers to resolving the health disparities that affect some of our most medically underserved communities. So far, we've talked to Dr. William Curry, Associate Dean of Rural Programs and Primary Care at UAB, about the barriers to care he's witnessed during his long career in Alabama, as well as Craig Settles, a broadband professional who hopes to improve access to telehealth. In our last episode, we discussed the problem of physician shortages in rural communities, hearing from Dr. Curry again, as well as Alan Morgan of the National Rural Health Association, Bill Feinerfrock of the National Association of Rural Health Clinics, and Brad Huretta, CEO of Lost Rivers Medical Center. The challenge of recruiting doctors to rural communities often compounded by financial strain. Today we're going to talk about the financial viability of rural hospitals, what kind of impact hospital closures are having on the health and wealth of America's rural populations, and what measures are being taken to protect the healthcare organizations we cannot afford to lose. It's been well documented that due to financial strain, rural hospitals are closing at an alarming rate. Alan Morgan help us understand how widespread the problem is. Over the last decade, we've had more than 130 rural hospitals closed in the United States. And research that we've conducted shows that more than 300 rural hospitals are at risk for closure today, which is significant. To better understand the circumstances surrounding these closures, we'll turn to Dr. Mark Holmes. Dr. Holmes is a professor of health policy and management at UNC. He has served on the National Advisory Committee on Rural Health and Human Services and is currently the director of the Cecil G. Shep's Center for Health Services Research. Dr. Holmes says that the driving factors of rural hospital closures can be broken down into a few categories. So we generally think of the acceleration in terms of five P's as the driver, the five horsemen of rural hospital closures, if you will. And they all start with a P, so that makes it easy to remember. And five, because I have five fingers, so that's a nice little <laughs> trick. Uh, profitability being the first. Uh, obviously, if rural hospitals, or if any hospital is uh, unprofitable, it you know is more likely to, uh, to close. About half of rural hospitals um, are losing money on patient care. Um, and so that's a, a tough business to be in um, uh, from the start. Payment, and uh, we've seen a lot of changes in how healthcare is paid. Um, accountable care organizations, alternative payment models, these kinds of um, uh, you know alternative mechanisms generally are less, um, well, the typical rural uh, provider may have trouble adjusting to that. They place a premium on volume. Um, they place a premium on the ability to have a broad footprint uh, in multiple aspects of healthcare and um, in different pay- in different uh, delivery settings. And so that can be a, more of a challenge for a rural hospital if there's a large ACO, um, you know, an hour up the street uh, in, a, in, a, in the city, and they may be less willing to cooperate with rural hospitals just because the volume may not be there. Practice, uh, the de- um, overall, we've seen a pretty sizable decrease in inpatient business at rural hospitals. Um, a lot of that due to the way that we deliver healthcare, things that 10 years ago even would have required a two-night stay can now be done outpatient, and that changes. And, and how uh, 
patients in the population are accessing? Uh, are they driving further, for example, and bypassing the local hospital? Population, uh, we've seen you know the decline in rural in rural populations from 2000 from 2010 to about 2016 was uh, pretty well documented. That, that's turned around a little bit, but in many areas we're still seeing declines in population. Um, the population in rural areas tends to be more public payer insured, um, so Medicare and Medicaid, which pays less, um, so that can lead to um, uh, you know to uh, challenges to profitability. And then finally, policy decisions, uh, ACA uh, and uh, what was associated with that, the individual state Medicaid expansion decisions, uh, sequestration during the uh, Great Recession. So a lot of federal state policies aimed at, um, well, and, and even beyond government policy, but um, but policies that, that can um, pinch uh, rural hospitals and make it um, just that extra, you know, half a percentage point um, uh, less profit, which can mean the difference between positive and negative. I guess I'd also add a sixth one, and that's the pandemic. Uh, and we saw um, huge uh, revenue cratering in April, May, and it's uh, largely recovered. But the uh, and here's one aspect where um, uh, provider relief funds have helped to uh, plug that hole from that. Um, but as the CARES money uh, wraps up and we start seeing hospitals trying to adjust to a post-pandemic world, um, that maybe uh, involves some pain as well. Alan Morgan reminds us that the pandemic also impacted staffing at many rural hospitals putting increased strain on resources as they try to replace the physicians and nurses they've lost. This COVID-19 crisis has just flattened the rural healthcare workforce. And I'm talking physicians, uh, nurses, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, across the board. We're going to be seeing workforce concerns, issues, and problems for the next decade as a result of the pandemic. And that's, it's, it's not just going to be on, on the, the responsibility of, of the small town. This is gonna take a state and federal approach to make sure we address workforce issues going ahead in a rural context. Because of the pandemic, um, the, the physician workforce in a rural context is older than their urban counterparts. And unfortunately, we've, we've seen a lot of um, older physicians retire as a result of this. Um, and so we're going to see that, that impact going ahead. And from a nursing standpoint, um, we've seen a lot of, of rural nurses convert over to the traveling nurse program. And so for these small hospitals to be able to backfill these workforce shortages, um, it's just going to be a difficult, difficult road to hoe uh, moving forward on this. And I think that's why you're going to have to see some state efforts on, uh, on uh, recruitment uh, when, when, when it comes to um, being able to pay for student loans. You're going to have to see an expansion of the National Health Service Corps at the federal level as well, too. We're going to have to actually see federal dollars go into workforce uh, recruitment efforts um, going ahead, being able to provide grants to these small hospitals. So I think that's something that we're having a lot of traction with policy leaders at the federal level, and I'm very optimistic we're going to see additional help for these small communities as a result of that. In our last episode, Morgan touched on the economic importance of hospitals in rural communities. 
sharing with us that every primary care physician brings $1.4 million of revenue and 26.3 jobs to their community. Dr. Holmes and his team researched this economic impact. So about 15 years ago, uh, we did a study that looked at rural counties that lose their hospital and looked at different economic measures, unemployment, the size of labor force, per capita income, uh, these kinds of indicators. And what we found is when a hospital closes, um, when a rural hospital closes in a county, there's a pretty you know, immediate effect as you would expect. Um, a typical rural hospital employs about 150 people. Um, and it's not just those people who are uh, out of work, but all the uh, downstream or upstream businesses that um, are associated with that hospital. So the florist across the street, the groundskeeper that the hospital contracted with, all that other um, element that's associated with that. Um, but generally, the county would recover in, you know, within about two years, roughly, it sort of reset back to normal. The exception is if it was the only hospital in the community. And we define that a couple different ways. But for, for your listeners' you know, uh, model, we can think of it as the only hospital in a county. And what we saw there was a permanent um, decrease in per capita income. It lasted for the four or five years that we tracked uh, the counties after the closure. And in today's dollars, that's about $1,400 for every person in the county. Now, that's a pretty big number when you think about what that means. But you know, the, the rural hospital serves many functions, and certainly it's healthcare, and certainly it's a large employer. But you can also think of the hospital as a, an amenity effect. And that is, this is a uh, feature of, a, of the rural community that the population values. And if I'm a manufacturer, I want to make sure that there's an ED that's close by. Uh, workers' compensation insurance rates are often tied to distance to closest uh, emergency department. Um, if I am um, a teacher and I'm thinking about where I'd like to move um, to start my career, um, I may look at how difficult will it be to start a family in three to five years if there's no hospital and no uh, OB or pediatrician, so to speak. So, you know, a, a hospital is something that, that people value and like having close to them. And so it's it's beyond just the healthcare aspect, beyond just the large employer, but the 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 fabric of the community and how um, a, a town or even a county can depend on having access, timely access to hospital care, uh, and what that means for the economic prospects of the of the community. Brad Hureta understands the economic importance of his hospital to its community in Arco, Idaho. Uh, you know, most small hospitals tend to be the largest employers in their area. So you, you're saving an economic engine, you're saving the town's health, you're, you're preserving a future. Schools and schools and uh, hospitals, that's what small towns have to have if you're going to grow. And so there's a real invested personal sense of accomplishment uh, in, in working in rural health that uh, you just can't find in a bigger hospital, frankly. Dr. Holmes believes that the key to preserving the future of a struggling rural hospital may lie in its relationship with its community, and if it has a reputation of being able to provide excellent care. A lot of times it comes down to um, the uh, community's value of the hospital. How does the community perceive the hospital? Is this a high quality place that I can get good health care in, or do I have to go elsewhere 
um, to get my care. And that's going to be a huge determinant. Um, and not just in terms of the perceived quality, but the services that are available there. Is this a place that um, I deliver my child and go for my cardiac care and I send my mom to get her hip replaced? Or is this a place that um, I, I only, you know, I only go there if, if it's my only option? So understanding that tension, how does the community value it? What alternatives are there? Um, does the hospital demonstrate its value um, and, uh, you know, regularly um, uh, show its quality and to the, to the uh, residents of the area? Those can be important aspects. Brad Huretta understood this when he took over as CEO at Lost Rivers. The hospital was not expected to recover from a dire financial situation prior to the start of his tenure in 2013. But it's thriving today. Part of Hureta's vision for Lost Rivers was to ensure that the care its patients received would not only rival that of a large urban medical center, but surpass it. One of, the, one of my favorite things to say to, uh, to, to folks who visit us is, it's, you know, I love to start it off by saying, it's true, you're, you know, we're a small hospital, uh, you're not going to get as good a care here as you would somewhere else at a bigger hospital. And they usually cock their head to the side. They go, wow, really? Really? And I go, truly, you're going to get better care. <laughs> you look at our scores and you look at our outcomes. Uh, you look at our satisfaction surveys and our scores are higher than some of the bigger hospitals. Uh, and, and that's that's a real feather in our cap. And I think a testament to what I mentioned earlier about there's a lot of hidden talent in these small towns and these, in these rural hospitals that, you know, I think there's a special relationship between us and our patients because we, we literally do know that we go to church with them. We see them in the shopping market. Our kids are on the track team together. Uh, we, we are very invested in our patient population and it shows in the quality of care you get. And so I think if you have good quality, you have nothing to worry about value-based outcomes or value-based healthcare. I, I can't wait. Uh, you know, when we start getting paid for, for, you know, outcomes and scores and our ACO, I, I'm all for it. I think that's, I think that's fabulous. And I think it's a, it's, it's the way things should be, frankly. If you're doing good work, then, then you have nothing to worry about. According to Dr. Holmes' research, many rural hospitals could boast similar indicators of excellent care. You know, we do know that overall, in general, um, rural hospitals do better in terms of, pneumonia quality uh, than urban, you know, care for pneumonia and influenza um, inpatient care. We do know that their um, consumer experience scores tend to be higher in rural hospitals. You know, the nurses care about me. I feel valued. I have a voice, these kinds of measures. So that, that care can be more uh, personal, uh, better customer service. Um, I hate to use the word customer service when it talks about healthcare, but uh, that's right. the kind yep. of domain we're talking about. One phrase I've heard over and over again in my travels is healthcare is local. Dr. Holmes encourages administrators to think this way and focus on meeting the unique needs of their community first. Recognizing that the solution will always be local. Uh, what is it my particular community needs and wants and values and how do I meet those needs? And those decisions have to be done locally. Um, those uh, you know, the management of, and, and the board of the hospital know their community uh, best and can determine 
um, you know, what are the services that we need to offer here? And, um, you know, is that uh, better integration with the human services uh, that the county offers? Is that a close partnership with the FQHC? Is that uh, offering, um, you know, um, uh, pulmonology and other specialists that uh, are really vital to that particular community for one reason or another. So tailoring the constellation of services to the need of the community um, often will be a, a huge uh, driver of uh, hospitals viability. Recent developments in health policy give Dr. Holmes hope that a rural health model rethink is possible. I think the the most positive development we've seen is is certainly a willingness by uh, federal and state policymakers to be creative and um, increasingly recognize that rural doesn't just mean small urban. Um, and I'm thinking, for example, uh, devices like uh, the chart model that CMS has rolled out, the rural emergency hospital. Um, that was uh, passed by Congress back in December. And these in particular are two initiatives that recognize um, some promising models for rural hospitals and more generally rural healthcare. Uh, we need to like rethink completely our model and recognize we can't just take what works in urban settings and um, cut the number in a half or a quarter or something. And we need to, to think uh, holistically about what is it that matters. And so, for example, the Rural Emergency Hospital um, it would allow, would create a new type of provider that doesn't have inpatient services, but recognizing it recognizes one of the critical needs in rural America um, are timely access to emergency services. And under the current regs, there is, it's very difficult to uh, have a financial model that that can support that. The Rural Emergency Hospital says, let's uh, you know, relax some of these regulations and see if we can find ways to support these services using new models. And I think that kind of creativity, that innovation, that willingness to hear the concerns of rural America and adapt and not apply the uh, hammer that we use on urban hospitals and urban providers and, and think more carefully about how can we tailor these solutions uh, to the unique needs of rural providers, I think is um, exciting and promising. And I think pretends some, um, uh, uh, gives me optimism that I haven't had in a while. Most of the professionals we've talked to share Dr. Holmes' optimism about the future of rural health in America. Millions of Americans still face disparities that put their health at greater risk than it might be if they lived in a less rural setting. But the good news is there are business people, healthcare administrators, care providers, and policymakers who are working hard to improve access and quality of care for all Americans. This episode concludes our series on rural healthcare. I want to thank our contributors for their time and insights, but most importantly, for the work that they're doing. I hope you have enjoyed hearing from them as much as I have. Until next time, my name is Kyle Worthy, and this has been Courage in Healthcare.